0: So it properly applied, it limits the government, but it does not remove the government altogether. Because if you remove the government altogether, now you have collectively as a mob, they'll just stamp out the minority.) We, we And welcome back to the tank, everybody. Yo yo yo! Here we are. This is the twenty-first. S- it is twenty-first, but this would technically be the seventh, I believe. There's seventh so many numbers of our mini series. Yeah, sounds right. Which is know your rights. If you've been with us over the past several episodes, we've been talking about the Bill of Rights. It is very timely in the times in which we live in, uh your yeah. rights, whether you know it or not, are being threatened, they're being challenged every single day. Yeah. And we are here today to talk about what I think is is really it's it's simple and its in its articulation. It's simple in its meaning, but It's actually got a ton of depth to it from a philosophical standpoint, from an applicable standpoint. When it comes to actually applying this right, there's, there's a lot to it Yeah. and it's a little bit tangly, but we're not going to shy away from it. We're going to jump right into it. Yeah. So today we are talking about the ninth amendment of the bill of rights. Cody, what does it say?
1: the ninth amendment reads the enumeration in the constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. So there are a, there's some big words in there. Mm Um, let's, break it down real quick. So the enumeration in the constitution of certain rights, I'm going to stop right there. The enumeration, right? Basically what that's saying is, is, uh, rights that are written down rights that have already been established or called out by the constitution. Right. So Mm -hmm. the enumeration of those rights, so those written down rights shall not be construed or shall not be used to deny or disparage others retained by the people, others speaking to other rights or unenumerated rights. So in layman's terms, the rights that have been written down in the constitution cannot be weaponized to come in um, disagreement or used to destroy uh, other, the validity of other rights that we have as humans, Mm -hmm. right? So the reality is we can't, we can't write down every single right that we have as humans. And this Uh, amendment is was written to protect those rights yep and uh you know to highlight isaac's point this uh man how do i say this uh, we'll get into it but this one for me y'all is one of the most terrifying one of the one of the scariest one of the scariest realities. it highlights one of the scariest realities of where we are in our nation. Um, this, the ninth amendment, is, like Isaac said, it is a is philosophical. It is actually the amendment that's talking that's telling us how to view the other amendments. If you think about it, sure. it's 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 its own, but it's its own to speak to the, how we use the others or how we don't use the others, mm-hmm. actually. And um, we'll dig into this as to why this hinges upon the moral decay of our nation. But this one's very, very important for us to dig into, to understand, and uh, to be able to um, defend, I guess. So, um, I, Isaac, talk to us a little bit about why was this even? Why was this even the thing? Why was the Ninth Amendment even written?
0: Yeah, so this goes all the way back to probably in the first episode when we talked about why the Bill of Rights was even written, which is that the, the Constitution was created um, and there are different groups back then. There were the Federalists, there were the Anti-Federalists. The Federalists felt like the Constitution was, was good enough. It protected all the rights, all the things that we find here in the Bill of Rights. Essentially, we're all unenumerated rights Mm. under the guise of a federalist viewpoint that, yeah, of course these are rights and they're all protected, but there were anti-federalists that said, Hey, look, we've been burned before. We're not going to leave it open to people. In fact, who knows? They probably would have thought that not only did you need to have the first eight amendments of the bill of rights, but it would have been nice to maybe add another 10 or so that, Spelled out more enumerated rights They, they right. could have gone on and on yeah. and on with enumerated Rights but James Madison in writing this new Look there's so many Unwritten or Unenumerated rights uh-huh. That exist and they're By the way natural rights Meaning that they're not granted To you by the government You you have these rights Before the existence of the government mm-hmm. So the The right to Um Privacy, the right to uh, essentially choose what you want to do with your life, like what kind of work you want to do, things like that. Those rights are rights that you had before the existence of your government. Right. You could yeah. just do that. Right. And, and you had that right. That was a God given right. Yeah. Um, so the anti federalists were really pushing. To establish these bill of rights this bill of rights and the unenumerated rights although it's very broad and open-ended and, and that's gonna lead us uh, as we're gonna talk about here in a minute to some uh, challenges when it comes to applying these mm mm-hmm. yeah but uh, the open-endedness of it does essentially in my view uh, and who knows maybe there's legal scholars out there that would disagree but in my view it does give this amendment a lot of Mm -hmm. power and a lot of weight to Mm -hmm. um, just ensure that people's individual rights are not being uh, infringed upon by the government. And and it puts constriction around the government. It makes the government less powerful and essentially smaller. Right. Yep. So um, Hmm. as far as meaning goes, you stated it though. It's pretty simple that, Rights that are written down cannot be used to invalidate mm-hmm. rights that aren't written down. Right. It's like they're on level playing field. Certain rights are written down to make it explicitly clear, probably because those rights had a higher tendency to be violated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's just other rights that, as a general society, operating on a fairly similar moral compass, we just understand that those rights exist, too. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to be spelled out. Yeah. So... Let's talk about, unless you got, do you have one more thing to say? No, it? go for it. Let's talk about, um, there, there's been several cases over time that I think have shown how the application of this can vary. And and who knows where this conversation is going to go as totally, far as what we dig yeah. into. It's, we're kind of opening Pandora's box. But um, yep. I, I think that we could, like just starting out, Say that, and you made the point already a little bit. But saying that, the th- there's there's a spectrum here, um, and we like I'll speak for myself. Constitutional conservative. I'm definitely for small government, limited government power, more power to the individual, and less power to a, a government that gets to tell the individual what to do. I'm I'm for that. Right. However, the, the application of the Ninth Amendment, what it I believe, if it's properly applied, it does not totally eradicate the government. Mm-hmm. So it, it properly applied, it limits the government, but it does not remove the government altogether. Because mm-hmm. if you remove the government altogether, now you have majority rule, mob rule of individuals, but collectively as a mob, they'll just stamp out the minority. Right. And that's what makes the republic that we exist in as the United States so interesting and so special, I think, is that you can have a large majority say, however, the individual and the minority is still offered protection. Right. And offered yeah. uh, their, their rights to, yes. to hold on to their rights. So I think as far as just generally speaking, the way that yeah. I would frame how I view the ninth amendment and the proper application of the ninth amendment is to limit the government, Mm -hmm. limit the power of the government, but don't completely remove the government because the government is the very thing that protects the rights of the individual, including the individual that finds him or herself in the minority. Right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, like, don't get it. Don't mistake. We, we, the ninth amendment is very good <laughs> it's a very good amendment if used properly and i think to your point this amendment was intended to and can offer much power and protect that power of the individual um and limit that that the government uh, in in their interactions now What's crazy about it is because it is open-ended and it is philosophical in nature, it also can be used for the opposite. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what is alarming to me because this, I mean, we've been saying it for years. I mean, I'm sure this is not the first time you guys have heard that objective morality is uh, a target in our society that subject subjectivity is the only thing that exists we see it all over the place and if that's the truth then how in the world do we apply the ninth amendment in our society what constitutes an unenumerated right or a right that is not written down already how do we as a society and here's a really clear example gay marriage okay so that, that falls back to the 10th Amendment and all that type of stuff, but it wasn't written down. We gave that power. Now we've deemed, as a society, we've deemed that as, uh, as, a, as a basic human right. And it's now a part of our society, right? I mean, fill in the blanks, <clears throat> but my point is where does this stop? Where, where does this head if we do not have objective truth? An objective morality. Yeah,
0: and we talked about there's cases that uh, show us some different applications. So let's talk about one that I think does mm-hmm. speak to your point. It's Griswold versus Connecticut. Yep. So again, what Cody just said is that there is a our the I'm trying to think the best way to say this: the country that we live in, the state of our morality. Our, our spiritual unity and just basic agreement on here's what's good and here's what's evil, which if you're paying attention mm-hmm. nowadays, that's getting flip-flopped. Oh, yeah. What is good is actually being called evil. and What is evil is actually being called good. So that's that's a problem because mm-hmm. when you look at a thing like Griswold versus Connecticut, it can be, it's such a fine line. Yeah. And the tipping point of yes, yeah, this totally. is moral and okay, yeah. and then all of a sudden tipping over into this is not moral is like fractional. Mm-hmm. So Griswold versus Connecticut speak to just specific what what was it mm-hmm. first? What was that case dealing with? Yep. And then let's talk about some implications and I think some things that would, uh, would be differentiators in how that Ninth Amendment is applied to this case. Sure.
1: Yeah. Well, so this was 1965. It was a landmark Supreme Court case. Um, and essentially, Estelle Griswold was the uh, the executive director of the Planned Parenthood League of Connecticut. And Dr. C. Lee Buxton, who is a physician, they were both arrested for providing contraceptives to married couples. And so, essentially, which sounds crazy, right? Like they were arrested for providing mm-hmm. contraceptives, and I don't know what those were. You know, I don't, I don't know if Plan B pill existed back then or not. I'm not really sure, but nonetheless, they were they were arrested for pro- providing contraceptives to married folks, mm-hmm. and uh, quite simply, the court ended the court decision ended in detailing um, and referencing the Ninth Amendment that. This was an unenumerated right for uh, people's privacy. What they do in their in the, the privacy of their own home is no—that
0: um, is their right mm-hmm. to do whatever to do whatever they want to do in that mm-hmm. aspect. Yeah, which here is what's interesting about that. So you hear that on its face, you are like, "Yeah, that probably sounds fine," and, and I would say, "Yeah, I, I agree with that." But what that tipping point is is what do you as an individual or as a society? What do you define as conception? Because there are unenumerated rights, unwritten rights, natural rights that exist before the government's existence. Those are granted and those are retained, those are owned by every single human being. Yep. So where this comes into play in this case, and I think it could, we could probably draw some examples here is at what point in time are you a human being?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And if, if I think that a human being is a brand new zygote at conception, then something like a Plan B pill that would be dubbed in the secular world as contraceptive. Right, yeah no different than other contraceptive that prevents conception from even taking place. The plan B pill would be dubbed as contraception. But I would say that because there's definitely a possibility of conception before the plan B pill is taken and does its thing, I would say that the plan B pill is abortive. Mm-hmm. So now you have a case where the ninth amendment and unwritten rights, natural rights are given to the married couple because they have the right to privacy, which I say, yes, I agree to that. Right. But what I wouldn't agree to is if, and we've heard this before that take just plain old abortion. Like you, you've, you've definitely, you're definitely pregnant. You know, you're pregnant. You want to kill your baby. We've heard, Oh, that's the, the government shouldn't even be involved in that. That's that's Mm -hmm. privacy between a mother and her doctor. We've heard that. Right. That's a private issue. That's between the mother and the doctor. If our morality accepts that Mm -hmm. and doesn't reject that, we could do the exact same thing with the Ninth Amendment and say, you know what? You're right. You do have the right to privacy. And we've seen that because we protected contraception back then. Right. So what difference is it now? You have the right to privacy. This is a mother's issue between a mother and a doctor. Yeah. So it's a fine line.
1: Well, and I'm just, I'm over here, and I don't know if you guys could hear my sighs in the microphone, if so I apologize, but this really bug, bugs me, really bothers me. I mean, it's it's deeply concerning to me for, for our nation, because when we sit here and we talk about this, I just, my blood boils um, in how complicated we have made this for ourselves. <laughs> when all we, re- I mean, I'm sorry, I mean, I know this is like so, it probably is going to sound very trite, but... Really, at the end of the day, it's like just read the Word of God. Like we are, we are asking all these questions: When does life begin? What is and we and we what is an what is an unenumerated right versus an, you know uh, of whatever we're, we and it's like it's important for a government to have laws and all that type of stuff, but we're talking about more morality and ethics here. We are we can't recreate morality. And we right. try to do that every single day. And that makes things extremely complicated, which is why objective truth needs well, not needs to exist. Like it's a choice, but you know what I'm saying? We, like we need to believe in objective truth and you know, it's just, it's, it's just concerning because the point is, and we'll get into this here in another, in a moment with another case uh, out of Washington state, we woot pacific northwest uh immorality uh capital of the world um but you know when does one person's unenumerated right trump another person's unenumerated right right and i think that's what you're pointing at in terms of the uh, abortion perspective is like okay well if that child is a human at conception then they have human rights that are unenumerated, that are not have not been written down, that they that we mm-hmm. do have a
0: responsibility to protect. Mm-hmm. Um and the most basic of which is they have the right to be alive. Totally. And stay alive. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well and I just on that note, um uh, you know, as we're talking about <laughs> there's two things here. So number one, I laugh because it this is kind of hilarious. Because it's it's a double-edged sword for, you know, people who don't believe in God. But if we if we believe that there are all these unenumerated rights, somehow that every human has these rights that shouldn't be infringed upon and where do they come from? Where do these rights come from? Did they evolve when we evolved from being monkeys? Did they just all of a sudden this moral code just whoa
0: that just pop up and just become A thing they come from my uh, professors, my uh, drag story time readers (laughs) and my uh, gender ideology journey.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's just it's crazy because I'm like this. If there's any continuity. It bespeaks order, which order bespeaks design bespeaks intelligent design, a creator. Mm -hmm. Like there's no, like we, we know this from the Bible that God's moral law has been written on every person's heart, believer, non-believer. If you're a human being, you have morality, God's moral code written on your heart, period. Yeah. But they can't give an answer for sure. No. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. And we would all agree. That's the thing. We would all agree that, that people have, unenumerated rights and we would ag- we would agree on these things to yep. a certain extent right now there's yep. going to be some things that come into question but overall we're going to agree that raping somebody is immoral and wrong mm-hmm. murdering somebody is immoral and wrong like by and large for well, well for now it is if yeah, well i'm saying from <laughs> a whether whether they did they would deem that murder in general i mean whatever yeah you're right yeah no but that that's where we're
0: going though. that's how crazy and, and mixed so crazy up it's crazy, getting man is yep. not to side tangent but it's like I've been uh really hearing a lot lately and and reading and listening a lot about how Christian nationalism is a a growing um I guess opportunity for the left to utilize that term and paint mm-hmm. a picture around Christian nationalism as a thing that's very threatening and should be viewed with hostility. And yeah. um, like, like, and they always love to tie it back to Hitler. It's like Hitler, after World War I, was seen as a quote-unquote Christian nationalist yeah. and decided to um, create his Nazi empire – under the guise of quote-unquote Christian nationalism. And the reason I put quote unquotes" around that is because Hitler was obviously not a Christian. <laughs> yeah. um, but I find it peculiar, and this doesn't minimize what Hitler did and how terrible he was, but I find it peculiar that even then society chose to paint a picture and vilify this individual that could be tied to Christian nationalism, Mm -hmm. but they did not do the same thing to the same individuals that were going on during that same time period. You look at Stalin, Stalin killed more people than Hitler did. That's a good point. Like let that register for a second. Stalin killed more people than Hitler did. I think by a lot, right? By like, by, Uh, it was almost double. I think. Yeah. 12 million versus 6 million. Stalin killed a ton of people but you don't hear anything about that. Right. Because for some reason, communism gets a pass. Yeah. Mao.
1: Yeah. The worst thing from One Stalin the that they did is they, they, they dubbed that a term when you can't start your car.
0: <laughs> Gosh dang it. Oh man. I was about to just unload on Mao and you got to hit me with the humor interruption. It's comedic relief that people have. The people
1: have to have some comedic relief in this episode. No, man. This we're is heavy. depressing.
0: We're serious. <laughs> taking verse. Oh, I'm sorry I'm sorry you were going to say Mao? Mao. I was going to talk More? about Mao. Most I was going to say that, Mao. So that was a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> no, I heard it. All I right. got it. <laughs> I'm just staying focused, man. <laughs> Mao was worse than Stalin. Yeah. But nobody talks about Mao. At no one's not I, I, In secular no. society. Like did you learn about Mao in high school? No. I sure as heck didn't. Nope. So why do don't even why get a start is started the on most Mao? notorious villain Connected with quote-unquote Christian nationalism when you have other villains that by the numbers were far more heinous. Again, Mm -hmm. not minimizing Hitler. Bad dude. Don't like him at all. But Stalin and Mao were just as Mm -hmm. indefinitely by the numbers worse than Hitler. But because they're connected to communism, they don't get the bad rap. So all that to say, there is a currently, present day, let's take it to present day now there is a rising trend, like you're starting to hear this picture being painted about quote-unquote Christian nationalists. Uh-huh. And you've got, we're in the middle of Pride Month, so they're shoving pride down our throats. They are, if, if you look around, like just, just look <laughs> at it through the goggles of we are being provoked. Christians mm-hmm. are being provoked. Yep. And what the left wants us to do is they want us to respond in a violent way so that we can be viewed as crazy, violent, psycho-Christian nationalists like Hitler. Right. Therefore, paving the way to prevent people like Hitler from essentially being able to exist. It opens up the door, in my opinion, to... For sure, persecution. For sure, reduction of rights. And and eventually, it'll probably come down to life and death. But that's a sidebar. Neither here nor there. Back to the Ninth Amendment. And you had teased it for a little bit. Again, this is something that I would say is definitely relevant for today. We see this going on for sure. In the year 2000, there was a case in Washington State. Troxell versus Granville. In this case... The Supreme Court overturned a Washington state ruling that uh, essentially visitation was being forced on this mother, uh, visitation was being forced with the child. So the mother won in that appeal and the Supreme Court overturned in favor of her essentially under the unenumerated natural right that a parent has the right to raise their child however they see fit. Let me ask you this. Today, do parents, does our, does our government and do individuals on the left believe that parents have the right to raise their child however they see fit? A hmm. couple examples to maybe draw from to form an, a conclusion on this. Joe Biden was quoted in a speech saying that your child is not your child. He or she is all of our child.
1: Yeah, that's that's ter- That is so terrifying.
0: So do you have the right to raise your child the way that you see fit? I bet you Joe Biden would say no, because your child is not your child.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Your child is his child. It's the state's child. It's the school system's child. So on and so forth mm-hmm. in Washington state. Let's bring it back to Washington state. Why do Washington state love to try to strip parents of their rights to parent their children the way they want to just this year? Like we're talking like just in the last couple months, Washington state passed a law that said, if you, if your child is suffering from gender dysmorphia and wants to go through the gender transition process and you as a parent reject that and don't want them to, the state has the right to take your child, not tell you where your child is, and to help your child get... Hmm. Gender affirming, they're gonna call it healthcare. It's not. It's like death care. Yeah. Gender affirming, crap. It's insane. Yeah. So, as a parent in Washington State, under this law, you don't have the right <sighs> to decide yeah. if your kid can trans. Let's it's just the state's right. And let's let's pause on
1: that for a quick second, okay? Because I wanna I wanna separate. That is so. I didn't I haven't thought about it like this. Uh, how do I say this? So we talk about, especially, I mean, if you're listening to us, you're probably right wing conservative. If you're not welcome, welcome to the show. <laughs> We're glad
0: you're here. <laughs> Congratulations. How the heck did you find us? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you stumble in from? <laughs> yeah.
1: What, how did, how did what, the algorithm What <laughs> drunken stupor are you on right
0: now? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And that's not making fun of you. That's making fun of just how social media works. <laughs> anyway, glad you're here. Um, no, but seriously, how do we, we talk about the agenda of the, you know, this whole transgender, you know, uh, coming after our kids, all that type of stuff. It, and it is, I mean, it is, there is an agenda there. And I believe this actually partly proves it because Why are, why are we legal? Why are we going so hard after now? I'm going to play the devil's advocate, literally the devil's advocate (laughs) because this is the devil straight from Satan. Um, but you know, if they were to, and I, you know, try to, try to use the ninth amendment to say, well, that is this child's unenumerated right to choose what they want to do with their body. Okay. Then why aren't you going after tattoos why aren't mm-hmm. you going after the ability for them to get drunk? Why aren't you going after the ability for them to, um, you know, uh, I mean, employment? You, minors have to have written consent from their mm-hmm. uh, parents on, you know, early employment or legal mm-hmm. matters. Can't or, get married. Yeah, can't get married. Traveling alone. You have to have a written note from your. There's an agenda, guys. There's an agenda going on that is so evil i mean and look at the look at the collateral damage it's not the fact that a kid could travel anywhere he wants to without his parents permission it's no his life his or her life is
0: forever changed yeah we have to have when applying these we have got to have common sense and that's what's so scary like you said earlier that the thing that makes us scary is that we we don't have common sense universally in this country or globally like
1: my dad says Common sense ain't so common no
0: more. That's right. He's right. So n- the the absence of common sense makes this just a total free-for-all because yeah. a common sense individual would say, okay, there is a difference between a child having the right to live, which we just talked about in favor of the child in the previous case, Griswold versus Connecticut, well, that, that's not what was decided there, but we talked about how people would weaponize Griswold versus Connecticut to mm, make sure. the case that you have the right to abort your kid because it's privacy, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Right. So the child has a right to live. That's common sense. It's a human being. It's a child. It has a right to live. A child doesn't have the right, though, to just do whatever the heck they want, mm-hmm. especially if it's against what the parent wants. Because there's a common sense element at play that we think that fully formed, matured adults know better than some six year old kid right. about whether they are a boy or a girl and want to be opposite of what they naturally were born as. Right. So if we don't have common sense, then yeah, it gets really murky. Yeah. And it's like it's a total free for all, as I said. Might as well let the kid if they're a pirate, just cut their leg off. Give them a wooden leg. Sure. And their Why arm not? and put a hook on it. Yeah. Totally. So there has to be common sense at play and common sense really is grounded in morality. Well,
1: exactly. And that's what I'm just and again, we've said it, but it's just this is what it is. I'm just like, golly, at the and this is we have said this multiple times, even before I think before this mini series, is that obviously like we have these soup superficial and what i mean by superficial i'm i'm actually using it more of like an anatomical term like superficial means like on the skin i forget what the term is for internal like going down deep but superficially on the outside are these issues that we're talking about this is not the deepest issue of our country the deepest issue of our country is spiritual not even moral decay it's spiritual decay Mm. it is lack of um, uh, it's just that it's the lack of the spiritual connection, the the truth, spiritual truth in our country, which leads us to morality, which leads us to being ethical people and people of integrity and common sense. And then guess what? We treat each other better. We, we love one another. We treat our, our, our neighbor as ourself. And we, all these different things It comes just like us and the Lord Jesus Christ and our relationship it's from the inside out that we are transformed the same as for our nation because our nation's made up of people (laughs) Mm -hmm. so you know it's just i hope i hope we there's two things here and i think we're probably i don't know i'm assuming we've got some
0: other uh go ahead keep going Somebody just knocked on my door, so <laughs> yeah. we're just going to let him keep rolling here and <laughs> yeah. walk away. Who knows? Maybe he might pop in the window. Who knows? Maybe, maybe he was Biden, Biden or the NSA <laughs> sent someone to kill us for talking about this. I don't know. I don't Posting, know. Posted. Guys. Isaac posted. Is the FBI? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay. So that kind of threw me, but um, the,
0: I forget what I was even saying. You're talking about one of two things. Two things. Do you remember? Two if things. not, I'll just take off here and run. <laughs> maybe we should pause it. All right, we're going to pause and come back. All right, we're back. We're back. It wasn't the FBI. (laughs) It was just your friendly neighborhood pest control guy (laughs) trying to spray stuff. But who knows? He said, I'm coming back out here tomorrow. I'm doing all these other houses around here. I'll spray around here. I'll get rid of all these wasps and mosquitoes and stuff. Maybe he was just going to come back out here and put, instead of getting rid of the bugs he was gonna plant bugs oh that's what i thought so i just told fbi him, Kick that rocks, would be fbi get out of here bro yeah. i'm a free american quit being a don't pest. tread on me gosh you
1: know, you know what i'm saying
0: all right all let's right. recover let's jump back in here okay. let's wrap this it puppy was, up. it was
1: unfortunate because we were rolling right to the conclusion anyway so yeah, you had two things i did i did i did have two things and i here are my two things there are two at least for me, and I don't want to hear what you think here. But for me, there's two uh, two things here to to conclude with. So number one is what we just said: we need to understand the spiritual component that this is deeper than uh, you know uh, fighting for or protecting laws that we have written, man-made laws that we have written down. As great as the Bill of Rights are and our amendments are, they're man-made laws. There is a deeper law, a deeper a deeper moral code that needs to be protected. And that's God's law. That's first and foremost. Number two, though, is that's the citizen of heaven perspective, right? We are citizens of heaven and we are resident aliens. So as resident aliens here in America, how do we actually take this Ninth Amendment, which is good, in inherently good, how do we use this and um, use it for our protection? And I would say, you know, it's just so interesting when we hear, oh, you have no right to tell me what to do, or you have no right to believe that, or you're, you're a bigot and you're this, that's hate speech. <laughs> mm. That's, um,
0: you know, which is criminalized, by which the way. is
1: criminalized. That's an act of violence to, to jail. call, to call me a he, when I say I'm a she, mm-hmm. I'm you sorry. You get
0: fined for telling your kid, no, you're not a girl, you're a dude. Right. Yeah. No joke.
1: I'm sorry. That is actually protected by the Ninth Amendment, which is my unenumerated right to believe what I believe, to disagree with you, and actually also to speak it at, and to speak it out loud. That's first amendment,
0: yeah. And first amendment. So the ninth yeah. amendment yeah, 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 yeah. gives you the right to have an opinion, right. Which then sets up even in the first amendment something that is written down that not only can you think what you want to think, but you can actually say what you want to say.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I kinda said that backwards because I was going to work in the First Amendment there. But yeah, understanding that for this day and age, you know, understanding the spiritual component and understanding how to actually use the Ninth Amendment when it's being so often just trampled on and we don't even... Well, the problem is we don't know the rights. (laughs) So that's Mm -hmm. why we're doing this. We're exposing them. we're We're speaking the truth. And now you have the power to put the opposite voice in its place.